So I'm so excited to announce that barring disaster, which you know could happen next week, I'll be releasing the second and final part to the season finale. In the meantime, I did want to drop an excerpt from a really cool group conference I did with some other podcasters, and this was led by Kate from the amazing podcast, Ignorance Was Bliss. She'll tell you a little bit more about her show, as well as introduce Courtney of Cult of Domesticity's podcast in the intro. So this is basically a pre-preview for the kind of offbeat topics and episodes I'll be releasing on our Patreon, which you can check out at patreon.com slash relic. I'm looking for very nominal donations. Even just $5 will get you access to exclusive episode content, stuff you don't normally hear from me on the show, such as I did once accidentally eat a pot brownie and go to work. If you want to hear the whole episode and find out how that uh, interesting day in my life panned out, please do yourself a favor and listen to episode 14 of Ignorance Was Bliss titled My Friends Are Cooler Than Your Friends When Podcasters Hang Out. Now, before we get into the show, I did want to issue a, a slight disclaimer. Uh, in this episode, we discuss some unsolved true crime mystery cases here, which are a little darker than what's normally discussed on relics so you might just want to filter out if you've got small children if you're sensitive to that sort of thing you have every right to be by the way because it is dark um also by virtue of us being true crime and mystery buffs we don't really provide the best context for those episodes because we all kind of just know what we're talking about which sounds really arrogant but um for the sake of education i will absolutely refer you to uh some wiki entries on uh, that will be on the episode description on the blog, and that's relic.blueberry.net, or just Google Lost Treasure Podcast. Um, you're going to see some very quick flyby links that will lead to the Wikipedia entries that describe each of those cases. So you can follow along. It's kind of interactive. As a reminder, you can connect to Relic on Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod or email me at lostreasurepod at gmail.com. Now, on to introductions. I'm Kate, and my podcast is called Ingrid's Was Bliss. And it's the idea that we, we look at a lot of things, you know, in society or in the headlines or at our neighbors and we think, oh, that's crazy or that's weird or that's unthinkable in some way. And that could never happen to me, you know, and my job, you know, I worked as a forensic psychologist and as I also is correctional work and in locked psych facilities. And then later I did crisis work and my job always along that was to take the fancy psychological and legal concepts and put them into real person language and make it understandable. And that's a positive thing in a lot of cases because you, you stop thinking, well, what the hell is that? But the problem is now it seems like it might happen to you. Now it seems understandable a little bit. So, you know, make sure you really want to know. Well, my name's Jenna. Um, my podcast is Meet Me in the Woods, and pretty much I talk a lot about different survivalist stuff. Um, I throw in a little bit of true crime every now and then, um, if it pertains to the woods. Uh, i got episodes on Bigfoot. I delve a little bit about what it's like to live 100% alone and feral in the woods. talk a little bit about mechanics every now and then, and occasionally I'll have guests on. I really think that that's a topic that not a lot of people in today's society know a lot about and honestly I know a lot of people that tell me that they're really interested in it and so why not share some of this stuff hell even if you live in the city 
it's never far from like campground somewhere or a hiking trail or something. And even if it's small and you don't want to, you know, go out and move to the woods, you can still use some of these tips just in everyday life. Uh, Yes. I'm Justin S. Drown, and my podcast is Obscura, a true crime podcast. It's about shining a spotlight on the darker things in life. Uh, It takes a narrative approach, and it covers, you know, murders, mysteries, serial killers, missing persons, and more. Courtney and Ashley run the Cult of Domesticity, which is actually a thing, and you have to check out their early episodes to learn that for real, but they do true crime and they also do history that theoretically is not crime but it is just as disturbing so thumbs up on that and i think much of it is the two of them trying to disturb each other as much as possible which i have great great respect for so cult of domesticity you have to go listen to them they're pretty funny without being overly shrill and giggly so i have a lot of respect for that too so just throwing this topic out there, because I am probably going to have to go to bed in like 10 minutes or so because I work early in the morning. Um, I was just thinking since most of us here are in, are in like true crime or intersecting true crime things, except for me, who's like more historical, though I think season two is going to be focused on a lot of like famous thievery and heists. Um, Let's not uh, lie. Yours is historical true crime. Well, yeah, sometimes. There are people killing things. Normally Nazis, but still. Yeah, we're finally d- done with those well, guys. And meanwhile, Jenna just, just seems like Jenna just commits crimes. We're good. It's cool. It's great. I mean, She's I am a taxidermist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, that. what? And, yeah, I do taxidermy. She's she's oh, a survivalist. God. I think I was part and parcel. Jenna, I want to be with you when I grow up. I really do. <laughs> well, you know, my philosophy of it is, okay, I see animals on a higher plane than I see humans, right? I have no qualms about killing and eating an animal. Why would I have a problem with long pork? Mostly because it'll make you sick, but whatever. I'm kind of like Norman Bates minus the Oedipus complex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So (laughs) on that note, I was just going to throw this out there. So in the last like four weeks, two of some of the most infamous unsolved mysteries one i would say is a crime one i would say is a tragedy have been solved because of dna which is uh the golden state killer and then lyle stevick um which if anyone needs a refresher on either of those things i'm sure anyone else here can can primer but what do you guys think like in i guess in order from kate just on my screen kate Courtney, Justin, Jenna, what do you think will be the next unsolved mystery or crime that's going to be um, solved or more concluded than it is now? Um, I'm going to go with the boy in the box in Philadelphia. Really? Okay, cool. I think so, because I think that there's already a weak DNA link that has been made. And I hope very much that they figure out who he is, because I think we can conclusively say it was not suicide and you know we can come back to i have very mixed feelings about the lyle stevick situation um but yeah i do too i don't have mixed feelings about i believe children deserve to mm-hmm. be identified and 100%. acknowledged 100 percent. boy in the box um Which, I've never thought of before just now. So thanks for asking. Yeah, no, no problem. 
Uh, I also just realized I'm after Kate on my little screen here. So I think for me, I'm hoping it would be Zodiac. I'm not going to hold my breath because that just seems so um, monumental. But uh, I think... They close like two big cases like right after another using the same method. Yeah. I mean, my, my... My lost treasure that I would like to be found, because that was the one that got me into the whole thing, would be the Amber Room. But I don't think that's ever going to really be found. And I don't think that's kind of a lost cause. My true crime okay. case that I would let, um, the Amber Room. Oh, yeah. Um, um, my true crime one would be uh, Sneha Phillip, which I think I'm talking about on your show, Courtney, in July. So um, yeah. that I don't think really DNA isn't going to really help that one out. But um i think zodiac would be really good you know just to finally put the conclusion on that one because i feel like it is one of the most infamous true crime cases yeah i think for me i the one i want to be solved would be like the john ramsey but i think closer to that would probably be like the mara murray disappearance case like either find her body in the woods or like she's just gonna pop up and be like what really gonna find her body in the woods yeah i mean It'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I doubt it just because I, I, I mean, I've lived there and those woods are crazy, man. I mean, it's you so can be dense. standing right next to somebody and you can't hear or see them. It's so yeah. dense. But I, I would hope so. I mean, just so many people are hurt by that story. And the people in New Hampshire are very unhappy by that story. They want it to go away. So the only way it's going to go away is if she's found. I was just going to say, okay. apparently at CrimeCon, they had a panel on her and they like showed the dorm room pictures and she wasn't that packed up as they made it seem. Yeah, so no, she hadn't just... packed her shit. I don't think it was suicide. It w- I wonder which dorm she was because I, I went to Hampshire College and I was basically a UMass groupie. So when you go to one of the schools there in the five college continue, uh, consortium, you go to all of them. Basically, you can attend classes everywhere. And I hung out at UMass primarily towards the end of my college tenure and uh, roomed with a couple of UMass students. It's a big campus. Um, there is also a really gross underculture there. There's a lot of amazing subcultures on that campus, but there is a lot of um, you know, I would say toxic toxicity there as well. Um, I don't know what more I got wrapped up in, but I would be interested just for my personal frame of reference to know what dorm room or hall she lived in. I used to know, but I, I don't remember. Okay. Cause I'd been to a few. Um, I also did a lot of, we'll just say nicely dating on the UMass campus. So I, I happened to a few dorm rooms, uh, We'll just leave it at that. But uh, so I am um, pretty aware of where things are on the campus. But anyways, sorry, Courtney, to completely like throw that me, me, me tangent there. No, it's fine. I was just, it, that one is just, it bothers me so much. Yeah, it did, they didn't look that hard. It, and it is so easy to get lost up there. And it's so mm-hmm. dark, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and even if she's familiar with it up there, if she didn't bring a compass, you know, there's no cell phone reception up yeah. there as recently as uh, freaking 2005 when I moved from that area to Rochester. So across the state, I had to change cell phone carriers because the reception for one was not long enough. Justin, your turn. Who's up? Who's who's next to be solved? Um, well, I'm I'm not really sure how popular this case is. Uh, I know amongst people that are into unsolved you know murders uh she is but 
I really think uh, Amber Tukaro. I don't know. Have you guys heard of Amber Tukaro? I need uh, more. I'm going to Google. Okay. Well, she, she uh, was, her remains were found. But before that, she got into a vehicle of some sort uh, while hitchhiking. And, oh, in Canada. Yeah, in Canada. Oh, no. And yes. she, called her, <laughs> she called her brother. And what's interesting is there's um, like an there's an the there's an eighteen yeah. minute there's an eighteen minute phone call <sighs> that you know and with only a two minutes released to the public and his the guy's voice is out there like his voice is out there so someone has to know something and there's oh, wow. actually, I have to listen to that somewhere I, I have a podcast yeah, on it I don't know if you've heard it there but um hey, man. you know the thing is is that. You know, someone's had to heard something. A lot of times these cases don't get solved because of general apathy. But there's also been an individual that three people have pointed the finger at. I don't know if you guys have heard of the horse mm-hmm. ranch up in Canada. Isn't it kind of like um, uh, like Willie Payton where like everyone kind of knew? It's yeah. really weird. Oh, the pig well, farmer? And then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a there's an individual that three people have said the voice is, but police said they looked into this individual and they said that it wasn't him. But if you look into this person, uh, they a lot of people have had some had some really strange experiences with him. Yeah, that sounds suspicious. Uh, I don't know if that's related to the Highway of Tears, but I'm just going to say in Canada as well, this country, there is an incredible amount of crimes and violence that goes towards Indigenous women that just does not get solved, you know, largely because of, you know, racism and how, you know, that all sorts out. So as soon as I read that she was, you know, I I didn't know anything, but I like pulled up the the Reddit while you were introducing the story. And I saw that she was, you know, she was uh, Cree and I was kind of like, oh, I can already see where this is going because I saw Cree hitchhike and woman. And I just immediately put two and two together. Um, So it's just, that's really awful. And you're right. There is a lot of apathy towards those cases and there, there shouldn't be. No, I was just saying I did listen to your episode, Justin. I thought it was dark routine because I was like, "It's like that sounds so familiar." And my problem is, I I realized today I listen to fifty plus podcasts on the regular, so sometimes remembering specific cases just blurs a little bit. And I was just like, remember listening to it, me like, what the, f-? like it's just so sad because they don't know what happens, and she you see you hear her on that tape just sounds so scared. She realizes like something's going to happen. She realizes like either I'm going to die or this guy is going to torture me, and your your heart breaks. Yeah, you hear her and just the anxiety. You're going to go over here, right? You're going to turn this way. Why are you going over that way, guy? And what's she going to do? And Justin, you prevent you present that case very well, like very clearly. And um, I I I had heard it before, like when you started doing so. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know this case. I didn't know anybody would cover it. You know, and I think you should take it as a compliment that there's that sense of familiarity. And since then that, you know, that we can't quite pin like, oh, who was that told that story? Because you have a way of telling it that sort of injects it into the consciousness. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, I you know, know I, I know a lot of us listen to a lot of different podcasts. So, no, I, you know, I, I'm right, not no, but worried it's not about just that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that there's there's podcasts that just kind of fall in my ears and then i don't know leak out i don't know my nostrils were up there with hell because i got 
whatever earbuds <laughs> on both sides and i'm stupid and whatever but there's one thing for that and then there's another where the podcaster injects themselves so intensely and now because i feel like there's a difference between like a, a sort of narrative approach to podcasting or an investigative approach to podcasting or the just make it up and chat about nonsense approach to podcasting and i know exactly which one of those i fall into just to be clear but yours being a more narrative approach so far anyway there's sort of an understanding that like you are not injecting commentary in you know you're sort of presenting the facts and you're not overly investing yourself in it and so the fact that you didn't do so and yet i immediately knew what case you were talking about and oh yeah in canada that kind of thing that's it that's that means you did it well well thank you i mean it was like amazingly done and i was just like like i said my heart broke and you didn't put your opinion on it except for like we need to find her and i'm just like i know everyone likes to cover cases close to home and i'm notorious for it maybe someone does know something and they'll really reinforce that idea the guy they pointed to three times being like hey no exactly um so jenna you would be the last person uh what case do you think uh, will be solved next or do you want well, to solve next there's two that really come to mind one is that body pit in arizona and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mesa yep mm-hmm the Mesa body pit. I'd like, because that one, like, literally, they don't have any clue as to who dumped these sex workers there. And 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 young women that have not been confirmed as sex workers, is you know, young women dumped there. I think, you know, stuff like that, I, I'm really into stuff where they just have absolutely no clue. And then it's going to be one day, boom, hey, we found the guy. And then another one that I'd, I just listened to a podcast, I hadn't heard about the case before. And it's one of those things where it's obvious who did this one. Um, it's uh, DJ Fickle or Ficky. Um, I don't know if you've heard about him. I think it's a Utah case, but something about um, that it was like uh, the com- the police are completely ignoring every bit of evidence and ruled it as a suicide, even though there is like so much evidence that he was shot in the face. And you look at the evidence and stuff and you, you're like, I mean, it's obvious why. I mean, if blatantly this guy, the guy that is obvious that shot him has changed his story four or five times. And then you've got 15 witnesses that say, yeah, dude shot him. And the cops are like, nope, it was suicide. That tells me because it was a, you know, a drug situation that tells me that the guy that committed the crime, probably an informant. Oh, oh is yeah. this the, is this the case that's part of um S Town? You, you know, I don't know. I know uh Color Me Dead did a yeah, um they talked about it. And you can find uh you can find it all over like Twitter and Facebook, uh Justice for DJ. Um you just type that in and you can find it. And it tells you all about the case and stuff, and it's a really fed up situation. And I really hope that, that family gets the justice they need for him. Um, that almost reminds me of the the Jefferson Eight case a little bit in Louisiana, where it's believed that there's like a law enforcement cover up aspect. As right, well. I've heard about that. Yeah, that one's nuts. Um, the West Mesa one's interesting because depending on who you ask, it is solved, and depending on who you ask, it's not. I don't really like to draw like 
I think it's kind of like pig-headed to like think it is one way or the other, but there is um, there is one theory that the person who did it was discovered and then killed by a victim's boyfriend. And then after that, Which the body that, if stopped. that's the case, then there's no way that it will be solved. And yeah, we won't ever know if that's the case. We won't ever know. Because it was, yeah, a case of arguably just somewhat justified vigilantism because I mean, the you know, the person was caught in the act, but you know, I don't think that that's how that should have gone down. That person should have been arrested and brought to trial. And then the information extracted through legal means, and then we would have found out, but because of that, you know, understandably passionate action that the person took because of, you know, his, you know, someone he cared about being hurt, he shot the one suspect that we did have and who we could have, you know, conclusively found out. I do think it's interesting that it does stop after that person shot, but that if there is someone, if it wasn't that person, then it's possible that the real perpetrator heard about that person being shot, got freaked out, decided to kind of go dormant. So there's a different, there's different ways that could have that panned out, but it is, it is unfortunate. I just, it's really depressing, but that's like the same old song of just, you know, victimized women or, you know, women in this certain position of life are the people who are killed and, you know, mass murdered. It's it's just sucks. So yeah, I hope that does get solved a hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of like, um, but now I have a little bit different belief on it because it's it's a local thing. Uh, but the West Memphis Three, I don't think oh, them boys did it. Damien Eccles is the sweetest guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they did it either. No, that's, I mean, it's a oh, local no, thing. No, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that was I, the, I, the, the I, byproduct of the satanic panic. I've spoken directly with Damien. He, he lived in Salem for a little bit. And I would have him babysit my children. That's mostly awesome. because then I could get a night out, but that's different. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, there was a, a spree killer that literally his uh, old abandoned house is about 30 miles from me now. Um, and I've been to it and it's awesome. You can go in it and like, you know, break into it though, but you can see like uh brain matter still on the walls and the barrels out back where this guy, like drowned little kids is still sitting there full of water. And his name was Ronald Gene Simmons. And not a lot of people have heard of him, but he's like infamous in Arkansas. Yep. No, I don't. 1987. I mean, yeah, killed 16 people in uh, Arkansas over Dover, a week Dover, Arkansas. Oh, so like a spree, a spree guy. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, he was. Fu- yes, Jenna, and you want me to come down there to stay for a while? You're not really selling me. Well, you see, if you're hanging out with me, you don't have to worry because I can I can literally guarantee that I'm more dangerous than anything else that's going to come at me. It's because she can bite the me. throat out of a Satchwash. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I get lost in the woods, I'll have Jenna come save me. Literally, within arm's reach of me, less than two foot away from me is a double barrel 12 gauge and a 308 rifle, um, along with a buck knife and, you know, several other things. I trust you with those things. We'll put it that way. 